Well, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right into that. How many of you guys just want to get right into the teaching? Because the coffee hasn't quite kicked in yet. We don't waste time just being nice. So let's, let's talk. Let's, let's do this, all right? Worship team, you guys are awesome. So quick review. Week one, we learned that the mind and the brain are separate. One is physiology, the brain. One is something other than. And we learned that there really is mind over matter. Oh, you guys put in the wrong. <laughs> you put in the wrong thing. All right. We're going to try to do it with this one. Unless you can change this one to the right one, that would be great. Okay. Um, the mind controls the physiology of the brain. We learned about something called neuroplasticity, which is science's new word since 1979 for what Paul called in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, um, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. The word transformed being the word metamorphosed, which you get the word metamorphosis. It really is not going from a rusty bike to a bike that's been painted. It's not going from an, an angry caterpillar to a peaceful caterpillar. It's going from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. Complete transformation. We, too, we learned about the subconscious and the conscious brain and how because of that we can do what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We can take every thought that's in our subconscious brain. It's just what we do. It's why we do it. We don't even know why we sat where we sat. We don't know. But we can take it and we can put it to the front of our brain and we can examine it as if we're a second person looking at the information, as if we're a judge looking at evidence in a trial. So we can take thoughts captive. We can arrest them. We can make them obedient to Christ. We can tear down what we called last week neural strongholds. So the neural network is, is how your thoughts go. How many of you guys enjoyed the picture of a thought being destroyed last week? The little thing that around and then it popped. Remember that? We had more requests for this week. Can I get a picture of that? I want to show my friend at work how, you know, how, what, what happens when your brain's on drugs or whatever it was that you were saying to him, right? So we talked about literally taking a thought, a pattern, a mindset, something that's not true, a stronghold, holding it out, looking at it, taking the Word of God, condemning it as guilty of being less than what God has for us, tearing it down. We talked about how to do that last week. If you weren't here last week, listen to it, and how within just like 21 days, we can begin to see the branches of that neuron path begin to fall off. We can see a new nub kind of building up next to it. Within two more 21-day cycles, we can see this completely go away, absorbed in the body as heat energy, and a new neuron path developed that's in the truth. We can literally be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, today we're going to talk about the disciplines of the faith and your brain physiology. For years, I have watched people kind of look at the disciplines like broccoli, the disciplines of the Christian faith, like the treadmill that's good for nothing but hanging your wet laundry on it in your bedroom, right? The, the, the disciplines like getting up early. Or, it's like these are so hard. <clears throat> they don't come naturally. I mean, I don't like them. I don't get anything out of it. And people said, man, Bible reading, memorization, prayer, fellowship, being around people, worship, they just, they're confusing. They seem to be without purpose. But I want you to know <clears throat> that God has given us uh, delightful, everybody say delightful, delightful disciplines, disciplines that actually make a lot of sense. Now, guys, again, the thing that is entered in here is the wrong sermon, and none of my notes are behind it, okay? So I'm going to do is I'm going to take out my, my phone right now, and I'm going to look at it for the way that I wrote it, and if you can fix that in the next 10 minutes, I won't have to fire anybody, which is really good for me. So... There we go. All right. Amen. This was, this was okay. Where are we at here? There we go. Is this the right one? Oh, there it is. There's my notes. I love everybody again. I've torn down the stronghold. I'm doing so much better. <sighs> Delightful. Delightful disciplines, right? Um, yeah, I'm still missing stuff. Why am I missing stuff? It went away. Yeah, so let, let's talk about some of these delightful disciplines. Let's talk about worship. What is worship? Let's just make, give it a simple explanation. Placing God, His goodness, and His glory in our, our highest focus. Like, you ever, you ever seen a, uh, a sunset where you just kind of go, wow, 
Anybody ever had that experience? Like, there's just something, like, like it's, it's funny because it, it's so pleasurable. Like, you're staring, or a campfire. Have you ever been on, like, deer camp or fishing camp? You get on a campfire, and, and in Canada, you can't do that because the state bird is the mosquito. But, but other places, a campfire, you just watch it, and you're just surrounded by people you love, and you, your hands smell like, like dead animals that you just killed and ate, and you can hear the sounds of wilderness. It's just, I remember we went on a cruise one year. My wife and I, we took our kids, and we went on a cruise with another family in the church. I remember... Um, San Juan, Puerto Rico. I'm like, well, it's dirty. You know, and then we got on the boat. The next morning, we woke up in St. Thomas. You ever been to St. Thomas? St. Thomas, I go out on, on the balcony, and I look down, and I don't know how deep the water has to be for a cruise ship to be there, but it's not, it's not 10 feet deep. It's got to be 30, 50, 60 feet deep. You could see everything on the bottom. It was this, this unbelievable blue. And I remember just like taking my cup of coffee and just looking at the water going, that is the prettiest turquoise blue water I've ever seen. It just, it's amazing. Can I, can I play something for you real quick? This is, this is my happy place. And I can't show you this because I, I want to respect the privacy uh, of my family, but this is... What happens when we stop? Can you hear this? <laughs> you hear that? We're going to slam the book again. You ready? Here we go. This is my grandson and I playing. Okay, that's my happy place. I find God in that moment. And I want you to know something, guys. God, God has designed us to worship in gratitude, in joy. It's, it's not just like the song has to be playing in the place at the time. We can literally worship because we're worshipers. Everything you say, wow, everything, that's amazing. God, you did, man, that blights my heart. Every time God's involved in what you see as being a blessing, you're worshiping. When you're serving, when you're, when you're giving, when you're being who you are, um, it's all worship. Um, the other day, we had a wonderful family worship moment. We went to the ultrasound, and uh, they, they, it was one of those gender 3D things where it's like this weird, scary baby-looking face. I mean, I just know it's like the difference between what Steven Spielberg would have chase you in the dark and what a baby looks like in an ultrasound. There's not much of a difference there. I'm just saying, right, except one has a, like a chainsaw and the other one doesn't. But, you know, the, the, there's the baby's face. And then, and then you know, so do you know the gender? She goes, yeah, I do. And, and you know, my daughter says, what is it? And she, and the, the, the little ultrasound tech lady goes, it's a girl. Now, half the room worshipped, and the other half of the room was struck by terror because we don't have little girls in our house. We don't know. We don't, you know. We're like, oh, good. Oh, gee. You know what I mean? But here's what's happened since. You know the, the pinky of, of, a, of a child that's like 14 weeks in, in the womb is not about that big? Somehow all of me is wrapped around that pinky. Already. And it's just causing worship. Are you here? So let's talk about this. What's happening in our brains when we worship? Take a look at this. Our physical hearts literally begin to beat together. I don't know if you knew that, but all of you that were here today and you were kind of entering into the same song worshiping, literally, and I don't know how this works. I don't think science even knows how this works. But literally, our hearts, even though some are a little faster, some are a little slower, when we start worshiping the same way, our hearts literally come into rhythm together. Did you know that? Doesn't that sound like Avatar? Right? <laughs> My avatar is making fun of the, the real world. Neurotransmitters, the, the chemicals and electronic things that happen in your brains, they increase. This is why. Because when you worship, your brain physically is preparing for change. It's ready for new thinking. It's ready to be healed. In worship. Did you know this? You know, one of the things they've learned is, is people that are, are fighting, like, really difficult terminal-type diseases and cancers and... and uh, <clears throat> Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, they're literally realizing that by putting them in an atmosphere of worship, of joy, of laughter, that the body begins to heal itself. 
Isn't that wonderful? God has designed us not to be sick, but to be healthy. And worship realigns us in this place where God is just really, really God. So neurogenesis occurs when we worship. In other words, the brain begins to produce new cells. Why? Because it's ready for new truth. It's ready for new life. It's ready for new stuff. And neuroplasticity occurs as well. So we, we can look at how big God is. We can look what we've been fussing over and fighting over and mad about and upset about. And when we see how big God is, we see how small our problems are and our perspective changes in the physiology of our brain. How many of you guys ever got something out of worship you were able to take with you when the song was over with? Right on, right? And maybe this is why in Matthew chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer, he says, you know, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus goes, okay, fellows, well, here, here, this is where I would start is our Father in heaven. What's next? Be your name. Hallowed. Oh. It's, it's, a, it's a great way to start. I know who you are to whatever extent and what I see I'm in awe of. Now we get into things like his kingdom coming and his will being done. Now we get into things like forgiving people. Now we get into things like daily bread. How many of you guys see the, the beauty of the Lord's Prayer? Let's start with worship. Because when we see how big God is, how big and strong his name is, then all these other things kind of line up because our brains physiologically are prepared for his kingdom to come after we worship him. Our brains are physiologically prepared for impossible things to become probable because God is that good. Maybe this is why when Jesus in Mark chapter 12 was approached, they said, what's the greatest commandment of all the commandments? Jesus goes, well, here's the greatest one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, <coughs> with all your strength. And they go, oh, that's great. Thanks. He goes, wait, wait, wait. And the second one is like it. Now, you guys may or may not get this, but that's an extraordinarily, matter of fact, one-time-only unicorn anomaly event. Jesus is asked over 300 direct questions. He answers three of them directly. And this is the only time, not only does he answer the question directly, he also answers a question that wasn't asked. He says this, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you guys know it's impossible to love your neighbor as yourself unless you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? That's the test. This is the preparation. This worship aligns us to give away what we've received to our brothers and sisters on the planet. You guys still here? Let's talk about the next discipline, the Bible. How many of you guys think the Bible is a little hard sometimes? How many of you guys, I, I, people say, I, I opened up the Old Testament, started reading it, didn't make any sense after about the first four chapters. Everybody put their clothes on. It wasn't interesting anymore. So I thought, well, I'll read the New Testament. And you know, there's a whole chapter of nothing but like Barney begat pebbles and pebbles begat bam, bam, and bam, bam begat a good headache. And I, what, what, I don't understand the Bible. Listen, understanding the Bible, reading it, memorizing it, and what we're called meditating on it or thinking deeply, taking one thought, <coughs> one truth, one scripture, one psalm, one proverb, and just, just laying into it and letting it lay into you. What we used to call sucking the marrow out of the bones of that verse, of that word, of that truth. By doing this, we're literally changing um, the physiology of our brain. Now, now, why is the Bible and meditating on Scripture so important? This is why. Are you guys still here? I know it's an hour earlier than last week. Are you still here? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we cannot take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ if we don't know what Christ thinks. Does this make sense? So if we take, if we take these first two things and we say, okay, we're going to take every thought captive that's going to make it obedient to Christ. What, then then what, what are we putting our faith in? Well, this is what the Bible talks about when it says this is what, what it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it's the breath of God. It's, it's fresh off the press. It is literally his thoughts, his heart, his, his, his mysteries, his intentions, his character, his power. I mean, it literally, like, like when Jesus says, uh, or Matthew says, John says, rather, writes about who Jesus is, where he comes from. He says, in the beginning was the what? 
the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. Like, he's saying, listen, when I say I give you my Word, Jesus took on flesh. This is, I give you my promise. I give you my Word. The Word of God is just as much flesh and blood once you receive it as it was in the body of Jesus Christ. It's the breath. If you breathe it in, then, then CPR has taken place. You have the breath of God in your lungs in your heart, in your mind. talks about being the rock on which we are to build all of our life. The man who's wise who builds his house on the rock. Man, storms come and go, but he's not, he's not moved by it. Why? Because he knows the truth, and the truth has set him free. Ephesians chapter 6 says it is the only offensive, you know, don't just say, quit picking on me, but, you know, stab, stab, go away, right? Defeating the enemy is not, your, the enemy's not defeated by shields. The enemy is defeated by swords, Right on. That's why we, never mind. I almost made up a wall joke. I won't do it. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. Swords. John 17, verse 17. Jesus says, God, the Holy Father, thy word is truth. How many of you guys know we need this in our lives? So this isn't some discipline. So let's put these two disciplines together. Worship <coughs> created neurotransmitters, neurogenesis, new brain cells came, neuroplasticity, that which exists can be moved and altered to, to accommodate a superior truth. Now, into that environment in our physical brains, we do what's, what is really literally known as microsurgery. We're literally tearing down microscopic neuron paths. They're destroyed in favor of new realities that are, that are ready to receive all the stimuli of life differently than the old realities. Some people, and I'll be honest with you, there's a part of me that's a little frustrated with this type of person because I envy them. Some people, when bad things happen, they say, oh, praise the Lord. I'm like, why, why are you praising the Lord? Something bad just happened. I know, but every time something bad happens, isn't Jesus wonderful? Well, yes, but this is a bad thing. Oh, I know. But for every bad thing, there's a great God. For, for every, every death, there's a resurrection. For every sin, there's mercy. For every hard time, there's a good God. Jimmy, do you see this? Don't call me Jimmy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And some people, I remember we were in Mexico one time. Rick Ryan was our DUID. I got to reconnect with him last week in Dallas. <clears throat> he was the, the youth director for the district. 500 kids crossed the border into northern Mexico together-ish. 100 went the right way. It was a convoy of like 100 church fans and buses. How many of you guys know that's never going to work? So we made it to the first roundabout. Somebody followed a city bus instead of a church bus, and 300 of us went that way to the next roundabout. And then some followed the city bus. Some realized that was a city bus, and they stopped and pulled over. There was hundreds of American teenagers scattered all over some of the most dangerous real estate in North America. And the DYD has no idea where hundreds of people's children are. And he pulls up in his little Honda CRX. Remember that little Honda or CRX? The little, little, it was a Volkswagen Beetle, only it was cool little CRX. He pulls up. He goes, hey, Jim, how's it going? I'm like, well, we're lost. And I'm here with people's children, and I don't know where I'm going. And that was a bad plan, Rick. He said, yeah, praise the Lord. Follow me. We were like the last group to get found. We were out for hours. We were there so long. I said, you know, we came to Mexico to win the loss. So we just sat up on the, on the street corner, started preaching the gospel in English to people who don't speak English. Let's just pray. Let's just do something. And that's where we found us on the street corner, some guy playing his trumpet, doing like, like puppet shows without the puppet stage, just standing behind the Jeep, you know, doing stuff or whatever. And there was a crowd that was gathered. And so he gives a quick altar call and we get, and we all take off. So I, what I'm saying is this, what I saw is like a huge hassle. He said, isn't that great? You got to witness to people you'd have never witnessed to if God hadn't gotten you lost. I'm like, God didn't get us lost, Rick. You got us lost. 
But you know what I know? Rick Ryan is going to live to be 104. Because everything that bad happens to him, he's like, oh, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm telling you, I, they frustrate me, people like that. And at the same time, how many guys wish you could be at people like that? We can be. Rick had a, a terrible thing happen early in his ministry. He had two of his kids killed on a youth outing. And God worked him through that process to the place of acceptance and worship. And God is good. And the good things that God did even out of that tragedy. So when he, when he has hundreds of kids lost, instead of saying, oh, my gosh, it's happening again, he said, oh, my gosh, it's happening again. God will be glorified through everything that happens in northern Mexico today. You guys hear what I'm saying? Because he, he was transformed by the renewing of his mind. This is what's available for us. Now, into that environment of neurotransmitters, neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, we insert the word of God, and everything changes. Look, look what the writer of Psalms says. Psalms chapter 1. This is the beginning of a huge document of, of worship written by shepherd boys and kings and warriors. And he says this. Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in what? Come on. The law of the Lord. And who meditates, who thinks deeply on this, this law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Look at this last promise. This, this last promise. Whatever they do prospers. That's... That's God. <laughs> That's not a positive mental image. That's not, you know, looking yourself in the mirror and saying, doggone it, I'm good enough, smart enough, and people like me. That's, that's standing on something foundational. The writer of Psalms, who has, who has been to war, he's lived in peace, he's fallen, God's picked him back up again, he's written Psalms of repentance, he writes these words, says, listen, all you got to do is get his thoughts in your head. All you got to do is understand life from his perspective. All you need to know is the way he said, I will bless, bless, bless. I will curse, curse, curse. Choose the bless, 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 and you'll be all right. Everything you will do will prosper. So let's look at uh, the Bible for some inspiration. Like, what will we meditate on? How about this? I meditate on your precepts, and I consider your ways. How many of you guys think that's a good thing just to look at? How did God make the earth? What, what is the role of wisdom? How is it I can walk in peace? What's the danger of, of fear and anxiety? Why is anger not the way God accomplishes his will? By just memorizing, looking deeply into these precepts, these laws, these principles, we can be changed. How about things like, like this? Within your temple, O oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Let me read you my morning meditation. This is uh, because my life is always heading, always heading towards my strongest thoughts. This file is called Confessional Truths. The number one truth that I meditate on for at least 10 minutes every day is this. I am loved beyond measure and without condition by God, who knowing my life in advance saw me, chose me, gifted me, is fully committed to me, and will never change his mind about me. That's my opening thought. Before I say anything to anybody, before I go anywhere or do anything as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, that is the first thing I get my mind wrapped around first thing in the morning. How many of you guys think that might change the rest of my day? I might change the rest of my family. Meditating on God's precepts. What about things like how big and strong God is? I will consider all your works, and I'll meditate on your mighty deeds. These exercises of thinking deeply, focused thoughts, literally creates new physiology in your brain, and it changes you from things like this to things like that. This looks a lot like a series we did a couple summers ago called Orphans to Heirs, doesn't it? We went from fear to peace to fearless, that, that progression. I had no idea we were talking about physiology at the time. That, that wasn't on my radar. I thought we were talking about this, this soulless condition, this belief, this nebulous cloud of existence called a soul or a spirit. As it turns out, it's body, soul, 
and spirit. You guys can go from addiction to freedom. How? By, by doing what we're talking about, by standing on the word of God, by meditating deeply on his truths. Listen, I became an addict by thinking deeply about booze. I became free from addiction by thinking deeply about the deliverer of my soul. I am always heading in the direction of my strongest thoughts, and so are you. My strongest thought is Jesus. I'm heading in that direction. My strongest thought is loving my wife. I'm heading in that direction. My strongest thought is, is blessing my children and my grandchildren to the next generation. I'm heading in that direction. My strongest thought is my addiction. I'm heading in that direction. If I were to tell you today, and we said this before, but whatever you do, don't think about penguins, you would immediately get a picture of a penguin in your head. But if I said to you, let's, let's just talk about giraffes. How long is their neck anyway? How does blood get up there? What's the blood pressure of a giraffe? What sounds do they make? What do they fight with? You know, what do they eat? Aren't they cool? What, how long does it take to have a baby giraffe? We, I, for the last 30 seconds, we've been talking about giraffes. We have not been thinking about penguins. When you're trying to get free from something, trying not to be angry, trying not to be an addict, trying not to be anxious. How many know the most anxiety-inducing thing you can do is trying not to be full of anxiety? Just relax. This is bad. Just relax. Just relax. Stop. You're not relaxing. Stop. I mean, this, this doesn't help. <laughs> it's just the opposite of helping. <laughs> but if you're meditating on green pastures and still waters where Christ leaves the sheep, things change. Change. So we got worship, Bible study. Our last one for today is going to be prayer. You guys doing all right? Yep. All right. I have an extra hour today from what I understand to complete this. So we're... <laughs> Let's just talk about prayer. Let's just call it communing prayer. I'm just with you. I just want to be with you. Commission prayer, his kingdom to come, his will to be done. Kingdom building, uh, conversations with God. See, now that you see it, now that, now that you see it, you can begin to call it down. If worship has opened your body, soul, and spirit to a new thought, which is the kingdom of God and God's truth, and if having that neurogenesis, that neuroplasticity, having that new revelation, that superior um, view of, of everything, now from that place, how many of you guys think your prayers are going to be different? Let, let me just say this to you. People that don't know the Word and people that don't know God pray. Did you know that? But their prayers are different than the prayers of people that do know the Lord, that do know the Word of God. People that don't know what to pray People that don't know the Lord that they're praying to, people that don't have that, that ability to see Him as larger of the problems, they pray. I, I promise you, I've been shot at. Everybody prays when they're shot at. I promise you, I've, I've been with people as they're dying. Just last night, spent some time with the family as one of the family members passed away. I, I promise you, people pray. People that don't believe in God pray. How many of you guys know that? But they pray differently than those who do know the Lord in worship, who do know the word of the Lord, the breath of God. When we pray, we shouldn't pray from a place of fear. We shouldn't pray from a place of doubt. We don't have to. We shouldn't. I mean, there's times we don't know what God's will is, and it's okay to say, not my will, but yours be done. Amen? It's a, it's a pretty biblical prayer. Jesus prayed it. But I'm here to tell you something else, guys, and I want you to hear my heart. When you do know how big God is and you've worshiped him properly, when, when, you, when you do know how big and powerful his word is and what his will is, we shouldn't pray like the heathen pray. We should pray like the children of God pray. So we do tell mountains to move. Oh, that's silly, Jim. Mountains never move. Uh, mountains move. We should pray for miraculous healings. We should pray for prodigals to, to come home. And we shouldn't pray like, God, I hope that someday, maybe, if it's your will. I, I, don't, I don't know how many if it's your will prayers are actually good prayers, to be honest with you. Maybe my prayer should be, what's your will? 
And once I know, I should pray as well. You can't calm a storm that's around you and the storm's inside of you. But if there's peace inside of you, you can speak peace to a storm. And a storm has to obey the peace of the Lord and the command of his child. I'm, I'm here to tell you guys, there really is a better way to live. If you thought the Christian disciplines were disciplines like broccoli, like treadmills, like free weights, like no cheeseburgers ever, like brownies are of the devil, they're evil. I mean, Ohio State evil. But I'm here to tell you, I, I don't see, no wonder we don't do these things. Because cheeseburgers are better than broccoli. Can I get a witness? So we eat cheeseburgers and then we complain about the effect of that cheeseburger on our life. We, we eat thoughts that eat us and then we complain about us. There's a better way to live. Can I just, I, I don't know why, I just feel led of the Spirit to say this. There are people that are truly clinically victims. I, I, don't, I don't mean like I'm all victims. I know there's a victim mentality that's out of control. The most powerful person in any room today is a victim. If you want to be powerful, be a victim. But I'm telling you, that is not the kingdom of God. But there are people, it's not your fault. Like it literally, the, the stress, the post-trauma that's on you is not because you did anything wrong. You didn't ask to be raped. You didn't ask to be molested. You didn't ask to be abandoned. You didn't ask to be abused. You didn't ask for that. And there's a way for us to live in that victimness that we, we literally never come out and we produce people with a victim mentality around us. We embrace people with victim mentalities. We only want to be around victims. Have you ever, have you ever seen two victims go on a date? I'm not kidding you. It's, it's actually, it's funny in a sad kind of way and it's sad in a really funny kind of way. You know, I, I want you to know this is really something I don't normally do. I, I don't allow myself to get close to people because maybe I've been hurt. Oh, you think you've been hurt? Let me tell you about how I have been hurt. Well, I know you're saying that, but I haven't told you everything. There's deep places in my soul I'll never reveal to you. So they're bleeding to death right now as we speak. Oh, yeah? Well, there's surprise. And you just kind of, like, you ever sit in a restaurant booth and hear somebody on a first date? You're like, oh, that's not going to work. Oh, please, God, don't let that work. Because they'll produce children. <laughs> You've been hurt. I get it. I've been hurt. You get it, right? Being a victim is just as real as the, the platform I'm standing on. But the victories of Christ, redeeming your entire testimony, is just as real. What Jesus wants to do for you is just as real as what has happened to you. It wasn't your fault. Well, where was God? I, I wish I had answers for you. You need to get them from God yourself. But I do know this. Between what happened to you and where you are today, God wants to redeem all of it. Not, not just from the day you stopped drinking, but why you started to drink in the meantime, in the, to begin with. He wants to redeem that part of your story. There's a continuity of narrative to all of our lives that somehow, somehow, I don't, but I, somehow, I'm actually a better pastor because I used to be an addict. Because now when I speak about addiction, it's not by something I read, it's by something I lived through. I talk about homelessness. I talk about sexual sin. I'm not saying so everybody should have a terrible life so you have a great testimony. The greatest testimony of all is I've never known a day that I didn't know Jesus. We want that for all of our loved ones, yes? But I'm here to tell you that's not the only valid testimony. 
my wife now has the ability to see hidden pain because she lived in secret pain for a dozen years of her life. We were setting up chairs over here one time, and I was just telling her, baby, I'm so sorry. She said, for what? I said, just for what you went through in your childhood, and, you know, being molested, and, and just, I know how hard it's been for you. I'm just, if I could go back in time, I'd have made sure that never happened to you. She stopped me. She said, wait, you don't do that. I'm like, well, I don't have a time machine, so easy. Why do you say that? She said, Jim, God has redeemed from my birth to this day. And all that I went through, God is able to work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. If you could go back in time and I could talk to you and say, stop. Somehow, this is going to become a part of a story that sets people free and glorifies God. If you could go back in time and you wanted to change things, I'd tell you not to. Because if I hadn't suffered for a season, I wouldn't know the glory of his deliverance. If I hadn't been a victim for a season, I wouldn't know the victory that, that's available to anybody who's been a victim for a season. If I didn't know what God could do, I couldn't tell people what God does. Don't go back in time. Jesus was back there, and he got me through it. How many of you guys know that God, when, when you see it, put it all together, if you would. Worship, neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, the Bible, seeds in the soil, a metamorphose, transform the renewing of your mind, and now you can pray in a way that, like, I've been changed, so I know what God can do in your life. We pray from faith. We don't pray from fear. We pray from revelation. We don't, we don't pray from distress. We pray to peace in the storm, not please stop picking on me. Give me a moment's peace. It's not I command with the peace that God has given to me, peace in your storm. Hear what I'm saying? That there's an authority behind the testimony when God's redeemed the whole story. Your history is his story. He's written it. He's redeemed it. He'll help you through it. He'll, he'll make it powerful. He'll see you to the other side. You are not a victim in Jesus. No, sir, no, ma'am. You will never be a victim when you're in Christ. Jesus went through hell. It gets us to heaven. What have you been through? God's going to redeem. Listen, if the God who took the murder of his son can redeem it to become the salvation of the world, and he can take your story, and he can make something absolutely incredible out of it. Do you believe that today? Stand your feet, please, all over this room. This day, I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose. Everybody say choose. Choose life so that you and your children may live. And you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, we would give you our whole story. It's like doing a tax return and starting from the middle. You never arrive at the right conclusion. Parts of my life I'm ashamed of, but those parts were also redeemed. I'm not proud of them because you redeemed them, but I know that you can use them. So I'm not afraid to tell people my past because my past is not who I am. It's a part. It's a memory. It was a cycle. I used to be blind, and now I see. So I have something to say to people that are blind. I used to be lost, but now I'm found. So I have something to say to those that are lost. Whatever we used to be, God, I pray that in these closing moments, we would, we would understand you're not embracing just the good things we do and trying to be patient with the bad things we do. No, you're redeeming our whole story. And can I be so bold as to say, I believe you're not just redeeming our lives. You're going back generations. And you're breaking off curses. You're taking away mindsets. 
you're purifying, what, what took the devil a hundred years to get into our DNA, it's removed by the truth of God in Jesus' name in an instant. Right now, right here. He who the Son sets free, church, what? He's free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is and the Spirit of God lives inside of you, come on. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. He, he doesn't want to just paint over your rusty spots. There's a metamorphosis. He doesn't want to take a, a fat worm and make it a skinny worm or an angry worm and make it a kind worm. There literally is a, a transformation when you allow him to redeem your entire story. It wasn't until just 10 years ago we began to realize that the chemicals that are emitted that bond emotionally one human being to another human being, we thought that at once a child reached a certain age, if those chemicals weren't emitted, if the brain wasn't touched by that, by that reaction, then those chemicals would never be emitted. They, they would never stand a chance of ever bonding with a human, another human being. Science has now proven that that's not true. No matter what you've been through your whole life, a 50-year-old man, a 50-year-old woman, a 70-year-old man, a 70-year-old woman, by understanding the continuity of narrative, that God's redeeming your entire story, well, where was God? Why that makes sense? And why did he do that? How did I? Once you realize Jesus didn't put you through that, but Jesus is getting you through that, and his victory overlaps all that you've been through. The brain emits the chemicals that allow one human being to bond, to say things. Listen, there's 70-year-olds who for the first time in their life are saying to people, you're my best friend. I've never had a best friend. You're my best friend. They're saying to their spouse, I love you. And I swear I'd never let myself be vulnerable to another man. But I want you to know because of the grace of God, I'm looking at my husband and I'm saying, I love you. It's not a miracle. It's the kingdom of God. It's normal. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If you're here today and you're like, Jesus, I want you to take my whole story. Every day that's in my past, I want you to take my whole story. I want to give you my whole story and I want you to make it your story. Work all things together for the good because I love you and I know that I'm called. I know that there's a purpose. You wouldn't waste my pain. You wouldn't waste my tears. You wouldn't waste the years. They're not wasted. You can buy them all back as if they were slaves now set free. Buy back every yesterday. I give you my whole story. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Like this is between you and God. But literally by me asking you and you responding physically, something happens in your brain that my story doesn't make sense. I don't trust God. I don't, I don't trust people. I don't trust. Literally, when you say, no, I, I do trust God. And because of that, God is going to redeem my story. Something is being challenged inside of you. Something new is being created in your brain physiology. Chemicals are being emitted. Hormones are being emitted. Dopamine is being emitted. Literally, there's something. When you do right, you feel right. Right now, here, Jesus, I give you my whole story. That's you. I want you to lift up your hand right now. Jesus, I give you my whole story. My whole, all of it. All of it. All of it. I'm not a victim anymore because you've redeemed my whole story. You're going to teach me how to use my whole story for your glory. You're going you're gonna to use my story to help people that have my, what my story was just 10 seconds ago. But it'll never be again. It was confusing. It was scary. It was painful. But now it's redeemed by a loving God to be useful in a fallen world as a testimony of who and what you can do. Holy Spirit, come. Do a deep work right now. Don't move, guys. Just take 30 seconds. Holy Spirit, come and do a deep work. 
affirm that now. I believe God has taken my entire story and he will use it for good. I believe that the glory of God is connected to the pain of my life and I will not cease to declare his victory over every circumstance. Whatever got me here, the grace of God bringing me through this time, now manifest in me, God, your glory. Not just your grace, but your glory. Manifest your glory. Help my story be something that heals somebody else's broken heart. Help the redeemed pieces. Let the mosaic of all the broken pieces of my life form a picture that looks just like a God of love. Use me, God, for your glory. Redeem my story to be redemptive in other people's lives. Oh, God. Altar workers, would you come forward? Nobody move. Altar workers, come on forward. I, I just think we need some time to pray about this morning, and I want to give you that opportunity. If you want to just kind of before you go, stand at an altar. You got somebody pray for you or not, it's up to you. But God, here's my whole story. Here's the whole story. Here's, here's what the doctor said. Here's what the lawyer said. Here's what my loved one said. Here's what my mama never said. Here's what my daddy never said. Just I, take the whole story. Take me, God. Take the whole story and redeem it. And redeem it. Buy it all back and then use it for your glory in Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning, I want you to make your way up to the altar. If you just want to stand and pray, feel free to go. Um, there is some sort of a, if you want to get engaged with the Freedom Center, that's in the guest room. If you want to stay and just worship for a while, Pastor Kyle doesn't get paid by the hour, so he can be up there for hours. It doesn't cost us anything extra. Stay as long as you like. Well, let's just turn this room into a place where people can seek the Lord and make their affirmations.